What's it like growing up in healthcare? How does experience in customer service, such as Burger King, help you be a better doctor? How do you choose between two great acceptance offers? And how do you decide what field of medicine to pursue? Today on Talking to Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Jordan, a third-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, I have a great guest today. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, Jordan. Okay, so third year med school, correct? Correct. Okay, so let's jump back because I, I want to hear an update. Okay. But going back to the very beginning, why did you want to become a doctor? Wow. Okay. That's a loaded question. It is loaded. <laughs> All right. Let me see if I... Do you want me to use the answer that I used when I was interviewing or... Sure. You can give the official answer or the unofficial answer. Well, I guess they're kind of... The unofficial and the official are kind of the same. Um, I... So I was fortunate enough to have a close family member, my mom, um, be a physician. And so I got to grow up exposed to healthcare at a very early age, um... It was something that I was always interested in and excited by, and I had basically this really great role model of someone who was really passionate about their career and was able to make a lot of positive change for people. And that's kind of how I was first introduced to it. And when you were born, I think I think you mentioned me once, your mom was in her residency, right? Or, or something like that. I just remember you when, told me the story that she would take you on rounds or something. When you were well, I, yeah, I was. she actually had me in her third year of medical school. Okay. Um, and I do remember... Spending a lot of time. I remember like, during didactics and stuff when she was in residency, mm-hmm. I would occasionally get bundled up and t- I would color and stuff under her chair. Mm. And like during CME trips and stuff too, that's what and I you would. were carefully listening. Yeah, I was gleaning information. With your crowns, you were just, you know, Yeah, mapping. exactly. Yes, the Krebs cycle, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've always known the Krebs cycle, really. It was just <laughs> indoctrinated. Since you were two years old, yes. Yes. Um, and so that's kind of what first got me interested in it. Um, and then as I got farther along in school and I just realized that I, um, it seemed like a really good fit for me in terms of the interplay between working with people, um, working with current research and kind of this ever evolving field. Um, and then as I've been in medical school, it seems like an even more, I feel like it's been kind of an affirmation of it being a good fit for me because I am kind of impressed by the variety within medicine in terms of things that I'm interested in that I hope will be part of a future career for me. Things like being involved in in education and um, even like administration, things like that, um, that I think are often overlooked when you first think of wanting to be a physician. Before we talk about med school, I'm going to make you back up. Okay. Even so, farther than through that? a series of events, you find yourself at Idaho State University. Yes. Living in Pocatello. Yes. And so during that time, like going strong, what mm-hmm. kind of activities were you doing to either get prepared for medical school, to get into med school, beefing up your CV? What were you doing in your Idaho State days? Um, so I started I started undergrad wanting to go to medical school. So that mm-hmm. was always uh, on the, the uh, forefront of my mind. Um, Things that I was doing, I was told by a, well, I don't know if she's there, I don't think she's there any longer, but she did give me one great piece of advice, which was, if you want to go to medical school, the University of Utah has a great website, and they break down exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. 
what they're looking for in, in applicants. And if you can just kind of meet their criteria, you'll likely meet criteria for programs everywhere. So if you want to know what to do, just shoot look for online. those things. Yeah, yeah look online. Um, and so at the time, there was requirements for leadership and volunteer work and patient exposure and a lot there's like seven categories there were some other things but so I kind of wanted to get a foot in the door or just get started early I guess I should say so I started volunteering at a local church on the weekends I started working you were a youth minister correct not a youth minister. I was like the... An elderly minister? How would you qualify? Um, well, I was pretty youthful. Okay. Um, there were a lot of elderly people there. Mm-hmm. I was I was more of like the technology operations specialist Ooh, person. I like that. So I got to run all of the lights and music and like PowerPoint slides to time mm-hmm. with the presentations. Okay. Um, the kind of person that you really don't notice at all unless they mess up. High, very high stakes. Did you ever mess up? Of course. Okay. Yeah. But luckily I was like at a church. And did so it, it kind of take away the gospel message? And I that, did. That yeah. Okay. It was distracting from the, the, the delivery of the gospel. Um, but I think that it was, it was, I was working at a church, so they don't really, they're not going to bully you. Okay. Like if, if you mess up. They're when just, you say work, it was volunteer, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Volunteer. I was certainly not paid. Um, so volunteering at a church on weekends. Um, and then for, oh, research was one. So I started trying to get involved in research really early on, found it to be relatively challenging. I did eventually find my way into a couple different research labs mm-hmm. my uh, junior and senior year of college. And I tried to do as much research as I could. So I ended up doing research in a, once I found like once I got into a lab for whatever reason, then the opportunities kind of kept coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so once it was hard to initially get started, but once I, and this just may be an ISU thing, but once you got in, then things were pretty open to you. What kind of, what kind of I mean, were you doing like pipetting or? or yeah, like, so I did, a, I did a couple different kinds of things. I mm-hmm. did some classic bench work. The longest project I worked with was a, some classic like pipetting mm-hmm. bench work research project that most people probably hated, but I actually really liked um, in a uh, electrophysiology lab. And then I also did some clinical research in the psychology department that was really, really fun and exciting. And um, in hindsight, something that played a, a lot to my interest. We studied sleep and anxiety and mm. and how those manifested across like the different depressive disorders. Um, or, yeah, so it was really cool. Um, and then I also did a semester in an immunotoxicology lab, which was some more kind of pipetting stuff. But it was new pipetting because it was a different type of work. So that was fun, too. And that was mostly just because I, I couldn't turn it down because the PI was somebody that I had really liked for a really long time. And, and I felt like I didn't want to miss out on working with her. And so I didn't, and it was great. Um, but that was the research component. And then the... Leadership experience. I had been employed all throughout college for the most. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about that because I remember that was the most. Yeah, you listed that as most meaningful, and you told a Whopper story. So yeah, um, so, yeah. Tell us about I, the Burger King and Pocatello. All right. Well, yeah, I was certainly will. Um, the leadership experience. I ended up counting it because you were a manager. You're like a I supervisor. Was, yeah, yeah, I was a shift 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 supervisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my first job, basically I graduated from high school and I was ready to move out and 
found myself an apartment in Pocatello with a roommate, and then I realized I needed a job to pay rent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just drove up and down uh, Yellowstone Avenue, and I just walked into every single store. This was right. So I was 17 years old. This was right after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked every place if they were hiring, and if they were, if they had a paper application, or if I needed to apply online. And I probably applied to some 40 jobs. I mean, clearly I did not have a preference or uh, a care. I was just, mm-hmm. And, and um, the I stopped in at the Burger King on, um, it's a Burger King Chevron combo on mm-hmm. Bench Road. And I walked in and I was like, hi, are you guys hiring? And I, I didn't realize it, but I happened to be talking to the, the general manager. And he goes, actually, we are. Someone just quit. <laughs> Um, I love it. And he said... And, and their name was also Jordan. Uh, probably. <laughs> he said, uh, the turnover there was really high, absurdly high, <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, and he said, and I was like, oh, great, you know, should I apply online? And he was like, actually, he was like, you have one minute to tell me why I should hire you. And I, I kind of like froze and I was like, I mean, honestly, I'm awesome. I'll do a great job. Uh, and he was like, that's less than a minute. And he was like, but, you know, sounds good. He's like, just come meet my office. We'll start, start working on the paperwork. And then he's like, I'll just have you go ahead. So I got, in his office, I filled out their online application. Um, and then he bas- and I basically was hired, like, within 20 minutes. Like I, so I, I, then I, they gave me – I was hired as a, as a crew member. Um, so I was started on the drive-thru. And I think it was – Did you start that day? Did I started the next day. Okay. I started the very next day. Um, and I think that it was only tolerable and exciting because it was kind of like, it was kind of my first job. And I was like so excited to be making a whopping seven twenty five an hour. But um, all you can eat fries, right? I mean. Technically, no. What was, what was the policy? The policy was no, you couldn't eat food. Okay. Um, so if there was a mistake, someone had to bring the food back, you just threw it away. You guys didn't get to eat it. Correct. Okay. Theoretically, according to store policy. Okay, according to everything that is written in official policy. According to the employee handbook. Yes. All 500 pages of it. Food was not to be consumed by employees. Okay. There was an employee discount Mm. on food, but you could only purchase and eat food on your designated break times. So you have to clock out. You have to clock out, take your 30-minute break, and then you could get a snack with your discount. Jumping ahead, I'm going to yeah. give uh, a shout out to all the listeners. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, I'm trying to draw a link, because my perception is, Jordan, you have amazing interpersonal communication skills. <laughs> it's all from the drive-thru. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Do you feel like, you know, is there, do you see any corollary or similarities between kind of like, you know, this customer service aspect, which you were really great at, and then interacting with patients or doctors or multiple treatment team members do you see any correlation there or no it's not honestly i know i really do it's, mm. and it's funny that you mentioned that because um i would not have anticipated that burger king would have been a or that burger king would have been a like a formative experience it was definitely at the, at the time it just felt like a job mm-hmm. that i had for way too long um but when I look back, there were a lot of really useful things that I learned at a relatively young age. I was one of the youngest. There, there was like a, there was like high schoolers, and then the kind of questionable thirty and forty year old adults working. Like mm-hmm. and those, that's kind of the dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be, so I was I was there 
I think I, I left there when I was still 18. I worked there for about a year, and I think I was 18 when I left. But um, at a pretty young age, I feel like, I mean, it, it was not a good, st- I can't really say that it was a good store. Like, we had a lot of unhappy customers. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a very busy franchise, and it just, like, we got overrun sometimes. And there was, as and once I was a manager, there was this like, kind of constant battle between trying to... I guess trying to reason with customers and like make them make them feel validated and make them feel heard and make them feel like that you you were supporting them and that you were doing everything that you could to make their experience better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, you know, interacting with your staff and crew in a way that was like, "Hey, you know, like I'm your boss. You know, we need to we need to be more efficient. We need to do this better. But I also need you to feel like I'm." supporting you, encouraging you, motivating you, and not just, like, shouting at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty It was pretty tough. Like, when I think about – when I think back to, like, of all the jobs I've had, like, moments that were the most stressful where I felt like this is actually, like, a hard thing to do, I think the only job I've ever had that feeling in was Burger King. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you also say that you feel that way about medicine, though? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a lot of – I mean – I mean, a lot of times your patients are a lot of times your patients are unhappy, and they're unhappy for any variety of things, or their family members are unhappy, and it could be, you know, it could be with you, it could be with the physician, it could be with healthcare, it could the be system. with the system, yeah. yeah, it could be because they don't like how much they're being charged for their visit. It could be, it could be any number of things that you personally have no control over, but mm-hmm. because you kind of are the face of what they get to interact with, you are the one that has the the onus, I'll say, mm-hmm. to try and and placate them or at least help them to understand um, help them to understand the situation better or at least give them an opportunity to feel heard. I think sometimes that's the most important part is and that was the most important thing at Burger King too. Like if somebody had a, a poorly made sandwich, mm-hmm. what was the most validating thing for them was sure you would replace the sandwich, not a big deal, but they needed the five minutes to sit there and tell you every single thing that was wrong with it, why it ruined their day, mm-hmm. why it was a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your patients need that space too. Like mm-hmm. even if the outcome is the same and you don't really you can't really do anything differently for them, sometimes they just need that they need someone to validate, listen to them. They yeah. need that opportunity yeah. to feel heard. And mm-hmm. so whether it's a, you know, I mean, I honestly had somebody tell me one time to remake their burger because there was mustard on the side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll remake that. Yeah. Um, sometimes your patients just, they, yeah. they, they need that. They need that feeling too. I think as individuals, as people, as humanity, as we kind of navigate this thing we call life. It can be extremely lonely. It can get really frustrating. And just when they interact with the system, whatever it be, people just want to be treated with respect and have a sense that, yes, they're being listened to and that their frustrations, concerns, questions, they're not just going out into the ether. It's like someone right in front of them is listening to them. Right. And being in the moment. Right. And, um, yeah, and I, I, I echo that. I, I, I remember, people have heard me talk about this too, but, like, Back in high school, college, I worked at uh, an Olive Garden. Very similar experience to Burger King. And I just remember this feeling when you said, like, people just want to be listened to. Like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that very distinctly. And and on both sides, like you mentioned, like, you know, sometimes people who work there got very, very frustrated with certain things that were happening. So 
I was never I would ne- I was never quote unquote middle management at that point, but I can kind of see like the people who were in charge of things that were trying to like balance. Okay, like got the employees over here and the customers over here. Yeah, and these things are starting to happen, and yeah, it's it's rough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Where else did you work? Um, so I worked at Burger King. I worked at I worked retail for a little while, and mm-hmm. I um, sold cosmetics at Ulta, which is a kind of a large nationwide chain that sells cosmetics. Um, I spent, ironically, a one spring semester. I spent a spring and summer as doing like a pseudo business internship selling exterior house painting mm. um, contracts. Um, Jordan, you've done a lot of cool stuff. Well, a lot of random stuff that all was kind of helpful in the end. Yeah. Um, and then I, after I, well, I guess, so it was Burger King and then the house painting and then Ulta. And then I started working for, um, in an urgent care, um, doing admissions. And that's where I worked the longest. And that's how I started to accrue my patient exposure hours for my med school application. Um, but yeah. So you started applying to medical schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was your strategy? Did you apply to a lot of schools, if you can remember how many, or did you kind of have a more focused strategy and how much research were you doing online? I mean, how, how'd you kind of do this? Um, well, you might laugh because I think what I did was not not what was recommended by any pre-medical advisor okay. anywhere. Um, I'm going to call it the very focused route. Okay. And I basically only applied to schools where I thought I could get in-state tuition. So I only applied to three schools. So economic Yes, the the okay. focused, <laughs> focused, okay. yeah, the, the focused economically mm-hmm. savvy mm-hmm. application process. Um, so, I applied to University of Utah, obviously, mm-hmm. um, University of Washington, who has a similar program for Idaho residents. Yeah, um, and then I applied to University of South Carolina, which is where my mom went to medical school, and I grew up in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of family over there, and I knew that it would be really easy for me to establish residency there again and get in-state tuition there okay. as well. So I only applied to three schools. I also, to be perfectly honest, I did not apply, I did not cast my net widely because I was not confident that I, I guess not having, since it was my first year applying and I, I wasn't sure how strong my application was, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of using it as an example, as a as a way to kind of assess the strengths of my application, meaning like, okay, I didn't get in anywhere, but, you know, let me see if I can get some feedback from any of these programs versus applying to 50 programs, you know, with a subpar application. And so I was kind of, I was kind of using it as a... If this doesn't, if this application cycle doesn't work out, I'll apply to more programs kind of next like year. Experience. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'll have a better idea of what I can do to beef up my application for okay. next year, okay. kind of thing. And so then you go out and start interviewing. Mm-hmm. And, and did you? I know you got at least two interviews. Did you interview all three? I interviewed. Yeah, I interviewed I, just at two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then um, obviously you did well in the interviews. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I did. Because yeah, I think you got into other places. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, okay. got, I got into the two places I interviewed, yeah. So what So what helped drive your decision to come here? Was it was it purely finances, or is it closer to quote-unquote um, home? But it sounds like you also had a home in, in, in South Carolina. Yeah, so. yeah. 
So I, I mean, per, to be perfectly honest, I only applied to Utah initially mm-hmm. because of the Idaho program. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like too good of an opportunity to not, you know, be interested in. Um, and I was supposed to interview, I think I was supposed to interview at South Carolina first, but then, dude, it was like right when, I don't know if anybody remembers, but the whole state flooded and they ended up postponing the interview because the airports were closed. Well, actually, I asked them. <laughs> I emailed them, and I said, should I still come interview? The airport's closed. I'm not sure what's happening. Mm-hmm. And they rescheduled it for December. So my first interview was actually here at the U. Um, and so it was my first time really even seeing the campus or parts of Salt Lake I'd really only been in Salt Lake City for the occasional concert and, like, the airport. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I just, like, drove down here... Um, I remember just, I really liked it. And then when I interviewed here, I really liked, I was really blown away by how much I liked the program and I liked the people. Mm -hmm. And I really liked all of the medical students that I interacted with. I really liked all of the people that did my, they were, I guess they were all fourth years, but they were the people that that did the MMIs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of, I felt like at the end of the day, like I, you know, I was expecting to feel exhausted. And I just was like, wow, I feel like that was such a fun day mm-hmm. um, and I would not have expected to feel that my interview day was fun um, and I I just really liked that good and so it kind of became after I interviewed here it certainly became my I found that my, my initially I wanted to initially my number one choice was to go back home to the east coast of South Carolina mm-hmm. and so South Carolina was my first choice and then after I interviewed here, I was like, oh, gosh, I think I think Utah might be my first choice. Um, and I remember, I remember this is kind of silly, but um, I found out that I got accepted to USC before I'd heard anything back from Utah. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, okay, yay, I guess, you know, I guess I'll go to med school. But I wasn't, uh, I remember still feeling like disappointed because I was like, man, I just, I just want to hear back from Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I called my mom, and she thought I was crazy because um, <laughs> she was like, who cares? That, like, that's your mom's she, alma mater, right? So yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, I ended up just, like, not feeling – and when I went there, I, I really didn't feel like that was a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it in hindsight, I'm, I could not be more glad that I chose the U. But um, I uh, – like that was kind of everyone's idea. It was like once you just get in somewhere, and then yeah. you can, you know, and you should feel. Like, once you get really, in somewhere, it's really, it's really competitive. Yeah, you yeah. should feel relieved. And I was like, I don't feel relieved because mm-hmm. I have not heard back from Doctor Chan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty funny. I remember you on your interview day. Like you were so quiet, and I just had this image of you of being this little kind of church mouse. <laughs> <laughs> then I remember you the first couple of weeks of med school. I'd like you were just. Jordan, you're like the life of the party. Like you're so gregarious and just hearing stories. So uh, yeah, I, I get that a lot. Strangely enough, okay. um, well, at I'm least sorry if I'm feeding into the stereotype. No, and yeah. at least in terms of the uh, onset of medical school thing, um, and I, I know for sure that I was way more subdued during my assessment day. Yes. Um, but m- largely, it's because I have a pretty, I'll say outgoing kind of bubbly personality um but a lot of times i feel like that comes across as or it can come across in a way that is seen as less professional than somebody who is more 
Hmm. Kind of reined in. I just think you're funny. Real I think time. you're. A, I think you're a comedian. You know the the French I E N N E. Like I. Yeah. I remember I always am bugging you, and I still will say that you should MC all the different uh, med school events. events. Yeah. I'll MC something before I graduate. I promise. Okay. That, I'm, I'm on that back. Will you allow that? Yeah. Actually, I think I'm supposed to help out with uh, lunch for. You're a student officer now. Yeah. Like, you've risen in the ranks. Like, talk yeah. about leadership positions. Now you have the biggest bullhorn. Because, like, you get the, I send out, I hear those, I get those emails you send out. Yeah. Like, oh, I get to hear from Jordan. Yeah. And you're so funny. I mean, like, your little <laughs> things. Because, like, you're, like, very <gasps> plugged into, like, the artistic scene and, the like, the foodie scene. Like, you have all these, like, little nuggets. I really spend way too much time on Instagram, I think. Oh, is that where it I, comes well, I, I st- yeah. well, sometimes. I stalk a lot of places on there's a, there are several like Instagram accounts that are that talk about like up and coming things in downtown Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and then um, or I'll like find things that we'll talk about specials or deals or stuff, and I just pass it along. But I love getting your emails. There's so much like just full of life, and that's why like, oh, that's Jordan's. Life. I'm glad that you <laughs> like them because yeah. I, I'm like the the kind of maniacal person. I'm like typing it, and I'm just like sitting there laughing to myself because I'm like this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like everyone should laugh at this. So yeah. so explain what, what's your position and what, what what's what do you do? Uh, yeah, so I am the student body secretary. Okay. Um, or the SBO secretary. And the secretary is in charge of probably they're most recognizable for sending out the weekly newsletter, which is an email that goes to what I originally thought was just all the students, but apparently lots of faculty get it too. And I have found that out <laughs> in hindsight when faculty, when, when, you know, people like Dr. Samuelson or something mentioned they've read your email and then you kind of cringe on the inside because you're trying to remember if you said something that was maybe a little too flippant or not. Um, well, if you bury it in like in the deeper thread. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I think studies have shown people only really read the first like four sentences of emails. So, yeah. That's true. That's if you, true. If you start to go risque stuff, just bury that. I'll, like, I'll start putting uh, the I'm, naked I'm, pictures at the end. On page three. I'm yeah. not going to talk about the naked pictures. <laughs> okay. Maybe no naked I, pictures. <laughs> Okay. All right. So last two minutes, Jordan. This okay. is great. Um, biggest surprise after you started med school. Biggest surprise after I started med school. Yeah. You know, because like again, everyone has this image of medical school. Yeah. Um, and you may have had an image or thought it was going to be like X or Y, but then you yeah. get here and you start kind of progressing through the curriculum, and it actually is more close to Z. I'm I'm just curious what, what you know what that was for you. Um, I guess my two surprises were one of them is just kind of a reflection of the the inadequate amount of research I put into the healthcare field mm-hmm. prior to starting med school, which was just kind of the, the volume of testing. Um, I mean, I knew that I knew that there would kind of there would be there would be exams and licensings and things, but um, I've been kind of just like learning as I go along, you know, what the formal testing actually looks like, and then just to kind of learn that there were large exams at the end of every clerkship and um, things like that. That was kind of a less than pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, again, if I had spent enough time on... What so it was like student- the frequency of testing. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if I had spent, you know, more than five minutes on student-doctor network or whatever, I would have known that. But mm-hmm. strangely enough, I did, had never heard of student-doctor network until orientation, and everyone thought I had... They were like, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you? I was like, well... I don't know. Uh, and then probably the the better surprise that was um, more of a surprise in that it wasn't something I expected, not something that I think was unreasonable. But um, I'm, I'm surprised almost every single day by 
how much I've come to value my classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I know that people said that they've always said that they you know made lifelong friendships in med school and that they've really stuck with them and you know et cetera nauseum yada yada yada. But um, I felt like when I even showed up for second look day and then started you know orientation and even just like the first week of classes and foundations, I kind of felt like for the first time in my life I was with a group of people that were that all kind of got me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was with my people for the first time and. Um, and I have, you know, met some of the, the best people of my entire life and made some of the best friendships I think I ever will make among my classmates. And um, even people that I wouldn't even describe as my, you know, like my my closest best friends are people that, you know, maybe are maybe they're classmates I haven't gotten to know as well because I haven't been with them as much. But mm-hmm. I'll be, like, with one of them on a rotation or something, and I'll realize that they're just incredible. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's just a all thrown it back to admissions for picking good people but um i think that was that my classmates always surprised me with how great they are and how generous and kind and um just good-hearted people i mean you're three years in now jordan and i just kind of think like there's something because i I, yeah i i I echo what you said um you know i understand like people have a lot of really good relationships and friendships from their undergrad days yeah and, and i get that but to me, there's something special about medical school because you literally advance with the same cohort of people yeah. year after year and all these different experiences, be it anatomy lab to like small groups to like now like on clerkships, so different rotations. Um, I remember like I really got to know like, you know, when you like when you're on call with your classmates, like when yeah. it's like two in the morning and like you're interacting with someone and. You know, part of me feels like, yeah, it's like, you know, people's they, people's personalities start to come out when you're under stress or sleep deprived, and so you, you get kind of close to people when you kind of go through these stressful situations. So. Yeah, and I think that like I see, if I could I could, I could pinpoint on every rotation at a time when a, a classmate just totally saved my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, what does that look like for someone? I mean, can you give an example? You don't yeah. have to mention names. Like, how do, how does how do the medical students help each other during rotations? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, the ways are endless. Uh, but, you know, on my OB-GYN, my first rotation, I started with OB-GYN. Uh, I was with two awesome classmates. And um, my phone had an auto-update overnight, and my alarms weren't, um, my morning alarms weren't saved. And OB-GYN is, like, a rotation where you have to, like, be at the hospital by 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And um, usually, like, you're pre-rounding and stuff and, and to round by... You, or have your notes and rounds and stuff done by 6.45 or so. And uh, my alarm didn't go off, and I woke up in my bed at 5.45, which is normally, you know, when you should be... Uh, still asleep. You, well, you normally should be still yeah. asleep, but you should be at the hospital 45 minutes ago. Kind of yeah, yeah. Woke up in a panic, and um, luckily I could wear scrubs, so I was able to be in my car on my way in, like, five minutes. And I, I reached out to my two classmates, and I was like, guys, my alarm didn't go off. I'm on my way in. Um... If there's any chance <laughs> you guys could could lay eyes on my patient um, before before rounds, um, I would be super appreciative. I like I'm so sorry. And I rolled into the the the, the team room and they had already um, seen my patient. She needed a translator, which is why it was kind of a, a bigger deal. Seen my patient mm-hmm. um, had started my note, and I basically sat down and was able to kind of bang out the rest of my note and then uh, like the resident walks in and he was like oh good morning mm-hmm. and you know how was everyone and it was just like this huge sigh of relief because like 
basically because my classmates were so yeah. awesome. The resident had no idea that I was like. They could throw you under the bus yeah. and try to make themselves yeah. look better and by like kind of labeling you as the problem medical student. Yes. Yes, yeah. easily, and they didn't, and it would, didn't even occur to them, and they just went above and beyond. And uh, there, I mean, I think everybody has stories like that on every rotation. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never really experienced. Um, I guess I've. I mean, I'm sure that it exists, but. I have never been the recipient of or even witnessed a classmate trying to make other classmates look poorly. Mm-hmm. Tear someone else down to make themselves look better. Yeah, I've yeah. never I've never seen that. I feel like I feel like the med students come across as a pretty united front. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also never had a resident go out of their way to like make the medical student look bad in front of the attending. That's great. Um, yeah, I've also had a lot of great, I've had a lot of great residents. I've had some bad ones too, but I've had, I've had more good ones than bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does kind of come across as the rest of the world versus the attending. Mm-hmm. But the attendings love that. They like, they love that. Sure, sure. They love that they inspire fear. That's why we get to make the big bucks. Yeah. Somebody has to, because I'm yeah. sure not. Yeah. All right. Last yeah. two minutes, George. Okay. Last question. And we kind of talked about this before I turned on the pod. Okay. As of today halfway a little bit more than halfway through your third year what what's kind of your career choice like what like how is that decision making process play out because i know like people start this journey and they kind of have an idea and i think my perception is you've always been one of those people who has kept your cards very close to you about what kind of doctor you want to be I know there's been a lot of well, teasing kept... and speculation, <laughs> but I'm just curious. Like it's over third, and like you just said, like you know, fourth year schedules around the corner. So like, yeah. so like how does like so either your your personal thought process or how 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 are you arriving at this decision? Because it's a big decision. Yeah. It is a it is a big decision. Um, I will say though, if I've kept my cards you know close to me, mm-hmm. it's because they're actually blank. If you look at them, <laughs> there's not. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really been sitting on any big secrets. I I largely went into third year pretty open-minded because I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually had an easier time narrowing, narrow, or at least I've had an easier time saying or deciding what do I want my career to look like, more so what kind of specialty do I enjoy the most. Mm. I've ruled some things out. Um, do you feel comfortable in sharing those? Yeah. And why? Yeah, yeah so I... Yeah, so I so um, just kind of going throughout the just going through the rotations and realizing, hey, this was fun, but I don't want to do this every day in my life. That was OB Gyn, really fun rotation, had a great time. But it was like I don't. I mean, personally, I'm not that passionate about the pelvic floor, so mm-hmm. probably not for me. Mm. Um, and then surgery, um, there was some some cool stuff. I did get to work with some cool people um, and see some cool things, but kind of a similar story where I just didn't feel like. I didn't really feel like I loved it. You know what I mean? Like I, for people who talk about wanting to go into surgery, um, when they talk about the OR, it's like this otherworldly thing. And like when the residents will talk about, when you ask them like, what's their, like I, I routinely ask residents and, and attendings kind of like more residents and attendings, but like, why did they pick this? Or why, why did, how did they know this was the right choice for them? And almost all the surgery residents will have something, something kind of like, um, emotional to say about the OR in terms of like it being just like the most validating place in the world. And while I thought it's the like OR holy ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And while I always found the OR to be interesting, it was mm. not a place where like time stood still for me. You didn't have a transcendent experience. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of just realized, um, when people talk about like if you could there's like this 
idea of if you could do something, if you like surgery, but you could do something else that would make you as happy, do that because the lifestyle will be easier than being a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there, there could be some truth to that. I don't know. But I just felt like I liked it, but I didn't love the OR enough to make me feel like the the grind would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the ro- things I liked the most, um, I liked my medicine rotation a lot. I also really liked my psychiatry rotation a lot. Um, I just finished up family. And while I found a lot of value in that, and it was really good for me to see, um, the number of times I've written on discharge summaries, you know, like follow up with PCP mm-hmm. <laughs> outpatient, um, it was really good to see what that actually looks like mm-hmm. since so much of our third year is largely inpatient. Yeah, it's more hospital-based. Yeah. yeah, so it was really good for me to spend a chunk of time doing all outpatient care. Um, it, definitely not something for me, though. I, just, I didn't feel like I connected well with it in terms of something that I would find to be a validating career. Um, although I worked with docs who were very inspiring, and you could tell that they they got a lot out of it. Um, it just didn't feel like it fit, you know, things I was excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I said it was easier for me to kind of, I realized it was easier for me to to think of the kind of career I wanted versus the specialty. Um, the things that I, I thought were interesting um, that I liked the most on medicine and on psychiatry that were kind of um, the commonalities were I really like the inpatient care model. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the idea of being on service for a week, getting... So like a hospitalist model. Yeah, yeah. I really like the hospitalist model. Mm-hmm. I liked the inpatient adult psychiatry at uni that has, has like almost the same model, like you're mm-hmm. on service for a week or two, um, and you get continuity. You get to see the same patients, you know, for that week, and hopefully, yeah. you, know, hopefully you don't see them again. Yeah, you sometimes might. people get readmitted. Yeah, yeah. sometimes they, you might. Um, and then I liked that... Um, I just I like that I like that model, um, and I like that a lot of hospitalists um, they also it's like you have you're like you're on service, and and it's like when you're off service you're you're off service and you have time to to work on other projects and things that you're excited about and I and I do know that I'm more interested in academic medicine mm-hmm. and I would like to be involved with research and I think you'd be an excellent teacher and too. education yeah. yeah and things like that and so I, I kind of feel like that lends itself really well to that that mm-hmm. model of healthcare delivery in terms of and then when I think about all of the cool docs that work in our faculty and administration that's what a lot of them do um, a little bit of this a little bit of that yeah, yeah. You're, you're on service for a week and you're seeing the patients and then cool now you're doing admin time yep. and Projects and serving on committees and teaching and helping form policy and yeah yeah, yeah. And, I, and I really like helping that. the curriculum in some way yeah yeah and so those are I, mean, I was like hmm. so I mean I don't really know exactly what specialty I'll end up picking but I kind of like knowing that that's where I would like it to ultimately end up mm-hmm. is something like that sounds like you're in this very self-reflective phase right now because of these choices you're going to yeah. have to start making. Because it's only going to be a few short months, and then residency applications are due, which is, like, terrifying, right? It is it is terrifying, um, especially because I feel like when I – I mean, it makes sense, but when I went into – when I went into medical school, I had this idea – for whatever reason, I was thinking, like, okay, you have four years to figure it out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you have three. 
Mm-hmm. You have three years to figure it out. Yeah, because three years, a couple months. Because yeah. mm-hmm. your fourth year is really all about the the bulk of fourth year is spent like interviewing and at programs. And at the time, I was like, I feel I was like, oh, I'm getting shorted a year. But then I neglected to remember that it took like a year to apply to medical school. Mm-hmm. So why would it not take that much time to apply to residency? But that's okay. I was naive then, mm-hmm. but I understand now. Um, yeah, it definitely has gone by a lot faster than I anticipated. Like, I, we only have two more clerkships left. Yeah. I just have... It's Yeah, it's weird to me to think of you as a fourth year, because I still remember you first week of class. And now you have this, like, wisdom and gravitas about you. Oh, wisdom. <laughs> it's because I hold all these empty cards close. <laughs> I did call them empty. You're calling them empty. Well, I think you, Personally, I think you got some, like, aces and jokers in there, but you're not... Sharon. It's all jokers. <laughs> all jokers. <laughs> all right. Last question, Jordan. Any right. advice to people out there thinking about going to med school? What would you say to them? Thinking about going to medical school or, or applying, like applying? Or, yeah. Um, advice for people applying. Um, I think don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged if you don't get in the first time you apply. Um, the vast majority of my classmates applied more than once and... I don't like, and I, that seems to be whenever I talk to people who are pre meds now um, and applying, a lot of them seem to kind of, oh, I applied and I, you know, didn't get in anywhere, and they seem to be kind of really discouraged by that. And I think that it's way more common in this day and age to have to apply multiple times. Um, so I would say don't be, don't be, don't be disheartened. Keep applying. Um, you'll get in. And then for people thinking about medical school, I, I think I think shadow as much as you can. I know that that can be that can be kind of hard to do depending on the policy of like your local hospital yeah, and stuff. There's, there's more and more barriers, unfortunately. It's harder for pre meds. Yeah, um, and that it was a bit of an issue for me, which is actually why I ended up getting a job where I did, so I could be an official employee. So then they would let me shadow, yeah. but. I had to go very roundabout in that way. But anything that you can do to kind of talk to as many physicians as you can, um, I think would be helpful. Um, even just kind of asking questions of them of, of like, why did you want to go into medicine? Do you regret going into medicine? What do you wish you had done differently? I mean, a lot of docs, like if they're not, if they're kind of outside of the sphere of academic medicine, those may be questions they haven't been asked ever mm-hmm. or in a really long time. And so sometimes an honest perspective can be really good. And it may sway you one way or the other. Um, but I think I think just talking to as many physicians as you can is, is really helpful. Okay. Great advice. Jordan, I want you to come back. I love talking to you. It's so much fun. <laughs> um, no, this is a good office. But, uh, yeah, I want you to come back in a, in a few months after you kind of make your decision, and I want to hear about it. I'll come back. All right. Well, thank you, Jordan. Thanks, Dr. Chan. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.